0: everyone you've got Hannah here and Kim from Belvista Studios in this episode it's going to be epic so hang around we're going to talk about empathy mapping empathy mapping is one of our favorite activities isn't it Kim like we just love it and it helps us storyboard it gives us the content for storyboarding so it makes our life so much easier and I think it enables us to create the amazing projects that we do so we wanted to create a video that focused on empathy mapping so you can learn about what it is and figure out how you can incorporate it into your process because we both really recommend it. It'll make such a big difference to your process and it's one of our favourites. So what we're going to do in this episode is I'm going to ask Kim questions. Kim's epic at empathy mapping. I've learned so much from her. So first question for you, Kim, what is an empathy map?
1: It is a template that you can use that allows you to step into the shoes of the person that you are designing the solution for and get out of your own head or the head of the stakeholders that are engaging you to create the solution. And that template allows you to focus on that end user, that learner, and where you want them to be basically at the end of your solution. So what do you want them to do differently? What do you want them to say differently, think differently, or hear, I think it is. So you can put your own little things, but they're mainly the basic things because if you're a fly in the wall, you can actually see an action, focus on those. So it's a template you use to extract that to then put it back into a storyboard or a training solution.
0: Nice. Where would people find that template? I'm thinking people listening or watching right now might be thinking, where do I get it?
1: (laughs) Can I have a look? O O G L E, (laughs) And then you go empathy map template. And then there'll be heaps online that you can use. Or you can, Hannah's done a good video taking you through how to do it as well. Do you show our template in that one? um i don't think i show
0: the exact template but i refer to our playbook so okay. may, i have the playbook on the ipad so you may be able to see it but yeah like you said google or if you do want to get into all the amazing activities that we do empathy mapping is just one of them check out the human centered design playbook it's awesome and it has it in there and shows you how to do it as well so
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: cool all right so what value
1: does an empathy map bring to your projects kim You can start with absolutely no content and no context and know absolutely nothing about the training solution that you are going to create. And an empathy map allows you to identify all of the actions and decisions that help you create the content for a training solution. So, you have a success statement you run an empathy map using the template which is literally you'll see when you google it it's like a four piece of paper with four quadrants and you just fill it in and if you think about what is someone meant to say to help meet the success statement then you just document it so you can start with absolutely nothing and only know your success statement what you're trying to achieve through your solution, that goal, that business goal, that strategic objective, all that kind of stuff, whatever language you use. An empathy map allows you to figure out all the actions and decisions that will help someone do something differently in their job or Mm. in their classroom or in whatever it is. And then you can storyboard from what you get in that. It makes it so easy. You don't have to think, it's all given to you
0: don't have to Google or look things up.
1: And the other awesome thing is that,
0: like, aligns with the context, right? You're figuring out what would people be feeling, doing, saying, thinking in that specific context that makes your training really contextual, which is really cool as well. And from yeah, what yeah. I'm hearing you say, like, we do it from a future desired state, right? So you think about what would they be doing if they were achieving the goal? Not what they're doing now, but what would success look like?
1: Yeah, yeah. And so sometimes I think it's a good idea to go, if the perfect employee was doing this, that's the framing that you can throw back at your stakeholders because they're the ones giving you this information. You don't have to do an empathy map by yourself. We would encourage you to get the right stakeholders in the room, learners, um, SMEs, they're all in there helping give you this information to fill out your empathy map template. And you just say, if the perfect human, the perfect employee, was doing this effectively, what would I see? What would they say? What would they be doing? So you're getting it allows you to get that performance benchmark, which is really useful.
0: Yeah, I love it. What are some examples of what we go in each qu- quadrant? Like what would actually be written down?
1: I um. If we think about a supervisor, if the success statement was something along the lines of supervisors holding effective performance conversations with their staff when a change in behavior happens, Mm -hmm. what they would do in the quadrant there is that they notice a change in behavior and they then engage the employee in a conversation whether that's feedback in the moment hey i noticed you just did that can you help me understand what you did there or they're going "Mm, change in behaviors happen now is not the right time because they're in front of their team or we're in the meeting but that's not okay or i need to seek to understand or whatever it is i am going to book Mm. time with them later this afternoon to have a conversation about that Mm. so that is what they would do for example now you saw part of my response there was i was actually going into what would they think Mm. so what would they think they would think now is not an appropriate time can you help stand stakeholder what is an appropriate time and what's not an appropriate time so the stakeholders start listing different situations where it's appropriate to call it in the moment where it's not appropriate to call it in the moment and then what you do is you document them and now you have content to help people understand that. Um, and then what mm. you what get was scripts. So, okay, so how do you open a conversation like this? We've got two contexts now we know, in the moment and at a spe- specified time later on. So what are, how do you open a conversation in the moment? So we say, hey, stel- stakeholders, what do we want this perfect employee to Mm -hmm. say when they notice a change in behavior that is not okay in the moment. And they'll give us a script. They'll say, oh, well, we want them to open the conversation by saying something like, um, hey, Hannah, I noticed that you just um, threw that piece of paper report on Sarah's desk. That's an unusual behavior for you. Can you help me understand? Is something going on for you today? So now I have a script, mm. right? And I captured that in what I want this performance benchmark say. I'm in that quadrant. So now I have a script and then we can dig deeper. Okay. Well, the employee make come back defensive. What would they say? They might be like, fuck you. Or they might be like, I'm fine. Or they might be like, um, oh, just having a rough time at home. I got a lot of stuff going on at home. So we get now we're pulling out scenarios situations context relevant to the learner and then it's like okay well how do we want this supervisor to respond back and then we start building scripts all these scripts can be used into scenarios that we build in our storyboard so we're starting to see how the training evolves into something That's the in the moment, it's just happened. Now we need to do the same thing for, it's not okay to call it on this behavior right now in this meeting, in this moment, I need to book time aside to have a one-on-one. So then we start going and exploring the same thing in that one-on-one situation. Now we have scenarios that we can just go and build in our storyboards. We don't have to write it from scratch because they've told us how it looks if I think about a storyboard screen. Um, is Hannah has dumped, this is just text on the screen, or maybe it's like you see the video playing out, just like report on Sarah's desk. And then um, a little decision thing comes up and it says, what would you like to do? Say this to Sarah, script, or say this to Sarah, script, which has come from the empathy map. So we're not having to think about what they would say because we're saying, well, you've told us, stakeholders, this, this is what you want them to say. And then in that empathy map, we could seek to understand and go, what? how do they normally do it? And one of the options might be they don't bring it up because they're nervous. So one of the options on screen is don't say anything. It's a once-off um, and it's probably something on that, that that's going on at home. You know that person's going through a divorce or something like that. So you don't call it in the moment. So you see how it's quite, it starts to evolve how you get to like a, realistic scenario of how it actually plays out in the real world and not these like gold star, like that's the obvious multiple choice answer. It's like, this is what people have going on in their heads. And this is what challenges people. And this is what makes people fearful. So they're the things that help come from an empathy map. So we don't have to think about it as instructional designers. We're just getting it into flow and making sure that it's all aligned to that success statement. And then we put it into the storyboard makes so much sense (laughs) so good it might be a good idea well do you think that was concise for people or do you think it would be useful for you to summarize what I said back
0: um no I think that was really good like it made sense that it's just around like getting like understanding what it looks like in the real world and getting all the different stakeholders there to contribute And I think the way you can imagine it is like, you've got your SMEs, you're involving your end users, you've got the project manager, you've got all these people contributing to these different components, all working towards the same project goal. So I think with all of that context that everyone brings, you create a solution that actually works in the real world because the end user could be in the room and the SME might say, oh, like we'll just get the, the manager to call them, like give them a phone call later on and talk about it. But the end user might say, oh, we don't even, we never do phone calls. Like we never use our mobiles at work or we don't really use our phones. So the end user can give that context to make it really relevant for the real world. So I think the important part is just thinking about, and the fly on the wall thing is probably something as well. Like what would it look like in the perfect world if people were contributing towards the goal, what would they be thinking, saying, feeling and doing? and getting all of the stakeholders to contribute to that process. And then the information that you get is contextual. It's realistic. And then you can use that information for your storyboarding process. Is that concise enough? (laughs) Yeah. Perspective. I like it. But yeah, it's it's such a cool process. Do you want to explain the fly on the wall concept? Because that really helped me when I was extracting information for
1: empathy mapping. Yeah, I think it can be very like, you know, action mapping is about actions and decisions. What are they? You know, like we struggle to do them as human beings in our own lives. So therefore, how can we do them when we're creating training? We struggle to take actions that are going to benefit us, like eat nutritious food, move, do the 30 minutes of movement. We know all these things are good for us, but we don't do them. So (laughs) it's hard for us to then, when we are falling down ourselves as human beings, to focus on actions and decisions. So something that we came up with is that fly on the wall concept, where if you're seeing it play out, if you're watching it happen, what would you see? What would you hear? What would people be um, like thinking, Mm. saying? And when you are able to picture yourself as a fly, it just takes you outside your own body and your own preconceived ideas and your assumptions and your biases to go, fact, I would hear them say this. I would see them do this. So it allows you to get very tangible actions and decisions to help create solutions that are not information overload not nice to know they're very need to know they're just like an action plan if I do these things that I've been told to do I will be better so it just allows you to cut through the noise I think allows you to see exactly what it is that needs to go into the solution from a perspective outside of your own head yeah
0: Yeah. love it um so I answered that question um is, uh, I think you've already answered this, but is what are the things that you need to do before completing an empathy map for it to be successful?
1: Clearly defined and approved sta- success statement and the right people in the room to help you create your empathy map to give you the information you need to achieve the success statement. Now, if you can't have the right people in the room, that's okay. It's an exercise that you should do yourself. So, again, if you're doing it solo, you need a clearly approved success statement. And then you need to do the empathy map. And you probably want to send that to a stakeholder, an SME, and say, hey, just check if this is right. Because what they'll do is they'll start to reword things and go, oh, no, this scenario is more realistic for us.
0: Yeah. If you're completing an empathy map with a group of stakeholders, what questions or prompts do you use
1: to get the information that you need from them? Number one, if I was a fly on the wall, what would I see someone do? Or what, you know, and follow the template. So if I was a fly on the wall, I think that helps. I normally get people to name that fly, I draw it as well. Like, what do you want to call it? They always call it Louie. I've never had another fly, so that's good freaking marketing by Mortine there. Um, <laughs> so that. And then sometimes stakeholders, depending on who they are and what the solution is, they find it hard to articulate it. So then I'd say, role play. You be the bad employee, the good, sorry, not bad and good, but the person that is performing, underperforming, satisfactory performance, whatever it is. So you be that person. And then I pick on someone else. So I say, you be the other person. Now, play it out as if it is not working out and the current performance and what you're seeing. And I go, okay, do it in the future desired state of how you want it to be. And I'm yeah. just documenting. A lot of the time I'd record that. So whether that's video and it's all just for my own internal use most of the time or an audio file. But I, we have had instances like one time it was a wellness conversation and the they wanted the success statement was something along the lines of wanting supervisors to check in on their staff and engage sorry to open a a wellness conversation Mm. wellness conversation is like kind of are you okay um I've noticed something's different just to get down to that human side which is a really fantastic initiative and so we got the SME to role play it with one of the other team members in the workshop because they couldn't articulate what it needed to be. They couldn't do the empathy map and they role played the conversation so well that we used that audio clip in the solution to be the, this is how everything you've learned is applied in the real world. So they had a kind of tangible example, like listen to it as a podcast to see how it could play out. So I just get them to go into role play mode and do it and perform it for you so that you can take notes. I've noticed that's an action. I've noticed that's a decision. I've noticed that's something they said. And then you fill out your empathy map that way. They're the two things. It always gets us there by just doing those two things. It's like
0: looking for the observable stuff, right? Like keeping it really, what would it look like? Because I think about sometimes in empathy mapping sessions, the client might or the stakeholder or user might be saying, oh, like we just need to be really confident. So they would be really confident if they were meeting the goal. But then what does being really confident actually look like? There's so many different things that could be happening that would make someone seem confident. Would it be that they're asking questions and just like really drilling it down to the specific behaviours? And I love that you spoke about the role play because you can actually see the behaviours happening. And then the fly in the wall also helps you achieve that because it helps you step into that third perspective and think about what would it actually look like if i saw someone who was confident what would they be doing
1: yeah oh, cool. thank you for that specific example because you've just demonstrated the fly in the wall where you said we want them to be confident it happens all the time want them to be confident but what does confidence look like and that's where you're able to get down to that level nice yep. yeah oh, Cool. Um,
0: so how do you specifically use the insights from your empathy maps I know you spoke about scenarios. Is there anything else that you use it
1: for? So from the empathy maps, that helps you get very common themes coming through that need to be trained. And they evolve into our learning objectives. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I start to go, okay, there's a couple of themes going on and I'll pull up Bloom's taxonomy and I'll start at the top of the triangle and I'll think how do I get someone to apply this now? Like how do I reflect the real world? And that's how I start those themes become my learning objectives. And then from there, I use the learning objectives. I lay them out and I start just copying and pasting things from my empathy map in under each learning objective that it's relevant to. And then I've basically categorized how the training solution will be formed. And then from there, I'm ready to storyboard. So cool. Gives you your learning objectives and your content, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. What advice do you wish you received before completing your first empathy mapping session?
1: Um, I think the things that have helped me is just my own self-awareness that it probably will go to shit and I'll make mistakes and it won't be perfect the first time and I was okay with knowing that you know so it's not going to work out the first time but what I know is that I'm going to try it because I can see the benefit of giving it a go and that afterwards I'm committed to reflecting on how did it go what do I need to do differently next time and then putting that into place and just refining its continuous improvement so I'd encourage you all to have that experiment that and that mindset that it's not gonna to go to plan. Nothing ever goes perfectly the first time unless you really understand the problem you're trying to solve and you watch the vi- like you mm. plan it to the point of you have learned it, you've practiced it, you've rehearsed it, that it will go to plan. So just know that it's all an experiment. It's gonna mess up. Just reflect, improve, you'll get there. It's a journey love it
0: very cool awesome kim that was my last question is there anything else that you wanted to share with our community around empathy mapping before we finish up today
1: let's give it a go the more if you learn this it'll make your life easier it will cut down the time frames it takes you to storyboard it will make you more effective you'll solve bigger problems you'll help people in a better and more impactful way it is if you wanna go from beginner to intermediate or advanced or from intermediate to advanced, this is the number one thing that helps helped me become a better instructional designer for sure. And you gotta give it a go. You'll kick yourself in years to come when it becomes the next action mapping or the next thing that you're currently doing that is known as this is the way to do instructional design. So just get on it now, no excuses. It's gonna make your life easier and you will make better solutions as a result of it. Love it.
0: Thank you so much, Kim, for answering the questions today and sharing your insight. Um, Anyone who's listening, thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to check out an empathy map, like Kim said, just Google empathy map and you'll find it there. Um, Give it a go. We've also got our human-centered design playbook that has all of our human-centered design activities and it's within that. And you can also check out our YouTube video on empathy mapping. So I'll put the link to each of those things in the description below. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for joining us.